What up, world? It's your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond, and you are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts, and also on YouTube. It's coming at you five days a week, free on all platforms, every single weekday, the only daily trailblazers podcast. So make it a part of your daily routine and make it your first listen every day. It's Locked on Blazers, your team every day. In today's show, we're going to start with the news, baby. GP2, Gary Payton II, return to practice. Keon Johnson is likely going to be available for the first time in a long time. And here we go. The Blazers are getting healthier. We'll talk about them getting healthier. It's been a while since we could say that. Then we're going to do a mini mailbag with questions about Amphrey Simons and his value contract compared to other guys who got paid this summer and the long-term plans and future of Yusuf Nurkic on this team. That's what we'll do to close the show. Let's start with the news, though. The, this was big. Today, the Blazers, they had, they, they had Monday off naturally because second, second night of back-to-back. Tuesday, uh, they didn't have media availability, which means they technically did not practice according to league rules. But uh, what it probably means is they just didn't do a bunch of stuff on the court, although I imagine that they still got in there and watched a little bit of film together. But uh, but on Wednesday, uh, you are listening to Thursday, December 8th show. On Wednesday, they got out there and practiced. There was an important, some notable names joining the the court for the first time in a long time. Gary Payton II makes his full practice debut according to Casey Holdolf trailblazers.com a GP participated in parts a lot of the parts of practice uh that's um he Peyton Gary Payton remains out like he's 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 not going to play Thursday when the trailblazers host the Denver Nuggets but it is very significant that he played more on that in a moment uh the Blazers injury report they submitted this afternoon uh, Drew Eubanks Josh Hart both listed as probable they are you know that means they're very likely to play and the big one, Keon Johnson, who has been out since November 9th with a left hip injury, upgraded to probable. I'm not sure Keon plays, but having another ball handler available should they need it is very important. And you just want Keon to be able to do stuff. Um, you know, he spent a lot of time wearing cool sweatsuits. Uh, and it's you want him in a jersey. Uh, he was, you know, he's... He's shown some flashes to be have have some utility for the Blazers. Uh, he gets after it on defense. He's a really good athlete. You know, he's, some of his decision making, all that stuff, leaves a little bit to be desired because he's a young guy still figuring it out. But um, it's good to have a young guy still figuring it out on the court and available, particularly for a team that's been a little bit light on ball handling. Like I said, with with Keon, I don't think he'll play. Dame's healthy. Ant's healthy. Uh, Justice Winslow is going to have some ball handling duties. He's healthy. Josh Hart, you know, if he plays with the ankle injury and he's played through it because he's just tough as they come, you probably have enough guards in front of him that that you wouldn't uh, break the glass on Keon. But having him available big and just like big for Keon, happy to see him back on the court. GP, though, remains out. GP is out. Uh, the Blazers, after Thursday, they play the Nuggets on Thursday. On Saturday, they they begin a two-game set against home against the Minnesota Timberwolves Saturday and Monday. And then they head out on a long six-game road trip through um, Texas and Oklahoma. That's, um, it's, I think it's pretty likely that one of those Minnesota games is the game that GP makes his return because it's a significant thing to come back to practice. Um, it's, it is, it's important that he gets out and plays, right? Because like with the team, you get some continuity, get some there, but also just like get your, you know, he's, he's been working out before games. If, if you're at the arena, he's, he, you know, it's, he wasn't always doing that, but in the recent weeks, he's been out there getting shots up and doing things like that. Um, he's, 
you know, clearly ramping his way up, getting closer. I think it's been reported by um, a, a couple of people in the Blazers sphere, including Sean Hyken of the Rose Garden report that like th- the whispers are that it's close. You return back to practice. It's close. Uh, and Chauncey Billups said as much that, that GP is as close as he's ever been to returning. This is a big deal. This is the Blazers biggest off season signing. The guy they gave a, you know, multi-year contract to the guy that they spent you know, a portion of the mid-level exception that hard capped them. So it was kind of limited some of their future flexibility. Like they went and paid to get GP because they wanted to get GP. Like he was, he was a target and he came here because this is where he was going to get the most money. You know, uh, Portland opened up the pocketbook to, to make sure that they got him. And then he undergoes this core surgery kind of late in the summer. It seems like he, you know, they never outright reported a setback, but it just seems like he never, they, he was hoping to be ready close to opening day. You know, we're now into the, he'll, he'll play the, in, in, into the second week of December in a season that started the, the third week of October. Like he's, he's, he's missed a, a more significant chunk of time than was probably initially hoped for you know again i don't think we've heard i haven't seen reports of like officially there was a setback but clearly he didn't heal the way they thought he might have thought he hoped that he would part of the hurdle though with playing is not just getting your body right it's not just like okay my core feels a lot better i can play it's the confidence to go to go 100 right to play as hard as you possibly can to push your body to the limit because if you can't do that if you can't play as hard you can't play in the league but you got to assume that Peyton's getting close. If he's practicing, he's really close. I assume he will play either Saturday or Monday. If I had to guess, we'll call it Saturday. Um, but I, but I think he's going to play um, soon because practice, getting back to practice is a big step. Like that is a big step. So what does it look like when he plays? That's the big question, right? Like wh- whose minutes does he take? Uh, I think the the simple way is that he will eat into Trendon Watford's minutes. Um, there's a chance on some nights Watford is the backup five and Drew Eubanks doesn't play as much, but I think Eubanks has been pretty good. I think they need that size to continue to have a chance on the glass. Um, in general, the, just while they've been okay in those small ball minutes, it's mostly matchup specific. Eubanks is a more of an every night contributor than I quite frankly thought he would be, but he's been good. You got to play him. So, I think it's Watford's minutes in the rotation who the who GP steals uh, when when that happens, um, and that's assuming that the Blazers stay with a nine man rotation. They've pretty much gone nine deep. There's been nights that they've only gone eight deep. Um, Chauncey Billups is just you know, or they'll play eight and then someone else for like six minutes in the first half. Like Billups is comfortable with who he's comfortable with. He's been riding his guys. He's playing Jeremy Grant, and Josh Hart a whole bunch of minutes. He's trying to win these basketball games, and he has said. Um, I think on multiple occasions, but certainly once in a story I read by Jason Quick in The Athletic was that nine is his preference. Nine is his preference. Um, I'm not sure I've heard Chauncey say that out loud, but I've watched him play nine guys enough to know that nine is his preference, right? Um, He wants to play nine. He has played 10. Last year, he played 10 a handful of times, but he would play the 10th guy. It would be often Tony Snell. It would be like eight minutes. He'd get eight minutes. That's two four-minute shifts. Um, It's really hard to get real it's hard to do much in a four minute shift in the NBA. That's why coaches don't love it. Unless you're really going to stretch guys out and play like the, t- the 10th guy, a bunch of minutes and like shrink your starters minutes a bunch. Nine is just a more comfortable number. I mean, like Nick nurse in Toronto, eight is a comfortable number. Seven would be okay with him. Six would be all right. Uh, if, he, if he really could lean into it, but like nine is where Chauncey's been at. They could go 10 though. And if they go 10, then it's pretty easy to see GP play with what has been the standard rotation of of uh, Watford and, U- and Eubanks and Winslow off the bench. 
you get those minutes, you are good to go. You, 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 uh, you, you slide, you slide GP in there. You will be just fine. Shaden Sharp is the other name I'm not mentioning. I think Sharp's going to, I think they're just going to carve out those 15 minutes for Sharp, no matter what he deserves to play. He's been good. Leave him in there. So if they do go 10, I think that GP eats into, um, the starters minutes. I think, uh, Josh Hart, who's playing like 36 a night drops down to like 32, uh, Grant, who's playing in that same 35-36 a night, he drops down to 33, then you can steal five minutes. Peyton can play up, and Hart can play up. Um, you don't want to play a ton of minutes with him at the four, but you can you can steal some minutes where GP is effectively a small forward on a lot of nights because he can guard up a spot and you'll be okay. You can just play him at the two and leave Justice Winslow in a little bit longer. It's not hard to get creative. I think... Um, I think in general, that's that's the way it goes, is that if they stay nine, he eats into Trenton Watford's minutes, and if they decide to go 10, you just pick away at everyone's, particularly Josh Hart and Jeremy Grant, who are playing a bunch, their minutes a little bit more, maybe Amphrey Simons plays a little bit less, maybe um, Damian Lord plays a minute less. You steal five minutes, three minutes, one minute, two minute here and there. That's you're you're up to you know eight nine twelve eight nine twelve minutes. I don't think initially GP is going to play like twenty five minutes a night. I even think when he's at his max playing for this team, he's playing like in the twenty two to twenty three range. He is at his best a a high leverage moment defensive sub. Um, he can come in there and when you really need to guard when the game is on the line, he can really guard. But you're not going to play him thirty five minutes a night. That is not the skill set he has. Um, I, I don't think he brings enough quite offensively with with what the Blazers do that he's going to really um, ha- have a ton of utility there. But his ability to guard on the ball and guard the point of attack will help everyone. It'll let Josh Hart have less of those assignments. It'll let particularly Jeremy Grant have less of those assignments. And you'll have more minutes with plus defenders on the court. There's times when you could have GP and Justice Winslow and Josh Hart and Jeremy Grant, all four of those on the court in a small ball unit alongside, say, Damian Lillard. That's Dame plus the wings, a lineup I really would love to see. And it's four plus defenders and one of the best offensive players of his generation. That's the exciting stuff that GP brings. Again, I don't think it's a big minute roll right away. I think he's 15 minutes-ish when he starts playing, you know, limited to maybe 20, but he plays 17. And then he's like, you know, even at his, when he goes full bore here, when he gets to January, we're talking 22 to 26 when it, when it really comes down to it. Some nights he'll play 28, but he is not a 30 minute a night guy on this roster. Um, He's, he can have real, real, real value playing half the game. Real, real, real value playing half the game. But that's that's a realistic look at this, what I believe um, based on, you know, what I people I talked to in the preseason, what I've, I've seen from GP and last year with the Warriors, uh, what, I, what I believe he will do. Uh, one scout told me early in the season, he's like, Gary Payton is what Justice Winslow is for this team. So uh, maybe he just steals Justice Winslow min- minutes entirely. That was like in preseason. I had that conversation with someone who, who's, who's a scout in the, in the Western Conference. I don't think that's... I don't think that's how it's going to go down, but I I think that's how GP is viewed. He's a tough physical defender with some limited offense, um, and he can you know he's he's smaller, like probably six two, but he plays much much bigger because of his low center of gravity and his strength, and um, you know the dog in him per thirty six, wolf wolf etc. So yeah, I, awesome to have GP back. I cannot wait to see what it looks like with this team. I think that's going to be um, it's one of the most intriguing parts of the season um, is, is it's how he fits and what he can do because like I said the Blazers paid to go get him they wanted him to be part of the uh, part of this and now he's back and part of it all right today's episode was supposed to be a mailbag episode we're just gonna do 
listener questions all episode long as we do, but the GP stuff was important. Uh, welcome back, uh, Keon Johnson, to the lineup as well. I feel like that's a that's an important little note as well. So we are going to close the show with some questions. Let's talk about Yusuf Nurkic and his strengths and his weaknesses and what his fit is with the Blazers in the near and long term. That's the first question we'll answer. But first, I want to tell you that this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you are have access to the best qualified candidates. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster. You can find them because you can use simple tools like screening questions which make it easier to focus on candidates with just the right skills. So you can find the ones with the right experience. You can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you'd like to hire. Also with LinkedIn Jobs, you can make it clear on LinkedIn that you're hiring by using the purple hashtag hiring frame on your LinkedIn profile. That way when people visiting you on that on that service, on that app, on that website, they'll know that you got a job that's open for them. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Let's talk a little mailbag stuff. This is supposed to be a full mailbag episode. If you want to get involved in a future mailbag episode, the best way to do that is to email me at lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. You can tweet at me, but Twitter is not a useful tool for this. So yeah, so um, shoot me, you know what to do. Shoot shoot me an email, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. Our first question of the night comes from Alex K. Alex, I'm paraphrasing here because Alex sent a longer email, but it was basically like, do Nurk's strengths outweigh his weaknesses? Talking Yusuf Nurkic, comparing what he does well and what he struggles with, and one wondering what is his long-term future here with the Portland Trailblazers. Let me say this. I think the last two games, Nurk has been really good when it's mattered. He's he's kind of started a little slow, but like down the stretch of games, Nurk's been good. Um, there was one hilarious sequence against the Pacers on Sunday in which Nurk uh, bowled through Miles Turner, scored and won. He did the too small thing where you like put your hand below your knee and say he's too small. And then Miles Turner knocked him over on the other end <laughs> and dunked on him. It was it was like a perfect encapsulation of kind of the frustration with Yusuf Nurkic. When he's good, he can power through a really physical and talented defender in, in Miles Turner. And when he lacks that focus, he can maybe half flop or half just loses balance and get dunked on like in moments, like a perfect dichotomy of, of the sort of challenges of use of Nurkic. And it's mostly consistency. Uh, Nurk is really shooting the ball well this year. His weaknesses on that end are still his weaknesses. He's never been a good finisher around the rim. He continues to not be a very good finisher around the rim. He's been a little better than his early Portland career, but still for big men, well below average. Uh, his mid-range game, he doesn't have much in between game. His and all of that, you know, you just you see it sometimes. He rushes, he takes flip shots, he 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 doesn't power over people. He's not an explosive leaper, so it's like you want him to dunk the ball, but some of that is just like physical limitations. All that's real. He's he's still decent in the post. He's not great, but he's decent in the post. Um, and in the right matchups, he can be really good. Um, it, it's. It, it's mostly consistency. He's good when he's good, he's bad, and he's really bad when he's bad. But he's been shooting the dang cover off the ball from three. Um, leading the team in three-point percentage on on admittedly low volume, but like 47% from three, making a, a, making a ton. Um, 
I think it's an interesting thought experiment for me, the podcaster, Mike Richmond. Like, how many three-pointers would Nurk have to make before every single one I don't say, okay, <laughs> but it's more than he's made so far because like he's making half of them, right? Like he's making half of the threes he takes and still every time I'm like, not great, Bob, but he's like, he's been really good at that. Like this is a me problem. He's been fine shooting threes and I think shooting threes, it doesn't open up like teams aren't going to wildly close out on Nurk and even if they do, like he's not going to like beat them off the dribble attacking closeouts more so what it does is it just brings like if Nurk is open right like if he's open from the three-point line it just means you have to take a half step towards him and then the ball can move from there or you have to look at him from three and the ball can move from there like um it does open up a little bit of the way teams are going to guard him I um I still haven't come around like I just said on him shooting threes but he's been good at it like what am I gonna do like my, at some point, I got to drop my biases. He's he's been fine. Um, he's been good shooting threes. He's been fine overall on offense. It's it's mostly a consistency thing. On defense, I think this is a little more troubling for me with Nurk. In the past, when Nurk played, the Blazers pretty much always field like he was on the court. The Blazers pretty much always fielded a um, fielded a high level or excuse me a an above average defense. They were average to above average with Nurk on the court, and then when Nurk sat, they were a mess. So I was like, well, Nurk is so key to what they do; they have to play him. But because the scheme has changed with Chauncey Billups, and they're not playing just and exclusively and only no matter what drop coverage like they did on the previous coaching staff, they're trying a bunch of different things. Um, they play, for my money, they play three distinct defenses. Um, I'm going to give up their calls. So if you're a Blazer, someone who works in the Blazers coaching staff, sorry. Um, they play fist, which is their zone. They play five, which is like their soft, a little bit softer dropping man-to-man. And 55, which is their switching defense. You will see them call it from the bench. Watch Roy Rogers. Two hands, 55, one hand, five, or fist. Those are, those are the three calls. They don't really play like a bunch of that straight drop coverage. They want to switch and they want to, you know, get out on the perimeter. They want to play zone, which has like a bunch of switching principles as well, right? Because you're matching up a man, you you're still matching up in zones in the NBA, but you're handing guys off as they cut through. Uh, and the Blazers' zone principles even allow for some following off the ball if guys cut into space and yada yada and overload sides. Like um, it's a little more complex than maybe the zone uh, I'm familiar with from the low levels of basketball that I've been involved in, but. Um, in general, I, I think the scheme changing for Nurk has limited some of what his defensive impact can be. He's just not good switching and guarding on the perimeter. That's not where his strength is. Even playing at the level, like sometimes when they play five, like when they play, they're sort of not switching, but, but, uh, like showing defense, like drop or soft drop. Like he's not way far back. Like they used to be, but like a softer drop where they're just not switching one, one through five. Nurk will get at the level and he'll get beat just because he's like up too high and doesn't have the lateral quickness. Like I don't really, I don't even really blame Nurk for that, but it is true that with this scheme, he struggles. And in fact, the Blazers have for the first time in his uh, tenure on the, on the Portland roster have been a little bit better when he sits on defense and when he plays again, on off numbers aren't perfect, but like, it kind of matches the eyeball test. There are nights when Nurk has struggled. There are nights when Chauncey Billups is just frustrated with Nurk. I think the scheme stuff is never going to fit his physical school, his physical tools. Um, it's, it, it is what it is. Like the way the coach wants to play doesn't fit the way Nurk wants to play or Nurk is capable of playing. Like, that's just true. Um, sometimes you want to tailor it to your, 
personnel. Other times you just want to play the way you believe is correct and hope your personnel can fit it for, for this purpose. And Chauncey's not across, he doesn't do this across the board. He's not that type of stubborn. But in this case, he believes this is the right way to play defense and it doesn't always fit Nurk. There are nights when he's better at it and there's nights when he really struggles at it. It's a consistency thing. I think that's, I just think it's true. Um, I don't even think Nurk's been that bad. I think he's mostly been a scapegoat of people being frustrated with him. And it's because some of his stuff that he does, like smoking layups is frustrating. Um, you know, flopping a little bit, is, it can be frustrating. I don't think he's been bad though. I think he's kind of been fine. Uh, he's been, there's been nights when he's just like straight up been solid against the Pacers. He was really good in the fourth quarter in the Blazers' most recent game. Like he helped the Blazers bring that game home and make sure that it didn't get it didn't get close down the stretch. I thought he played well, um, played well when it mattered. Um, when maybe the other Blazers' offensive um, parts weren't as good down the stretch or weren't as loud down the stretch, I should say. Um, I think Nurk's an easy scapegoat, and for whatever reason, he's the scapegoat on this team. It's who, it's who fans like to blame. Um, I'm not telling you to not, <laughs> you could fan however you want. Um, I just think he's maybe gotten a little bit too much flack, although he's, you know, there's been nights when he's been bad. Like, you know it when you see it. Um, I'm not defending him by that, by any means. I just think like, um, Nurk, to me, to me, overall, Nurk's been like a, like a B, right? He's been okay. Um, it's just when he's bad, he's really bad. Um, and I think Chauncey Billups, to his credit, has kind of yanked Nurk when it's time to yank him. So that's like the final question is was like or the sort of overarching question for Alex is like what do you do with Nurk long term? You're kind of stuck with him for now. Uh, the Blazers gave him four years, seventy million dollar contract, fully guaranteed this summer. Um, it's hard for me to see a situation where there is another team that that actively wants to take on that contract unless the Blazers are throwing in a sweetener. I don't think it makes sense for the Blazers to like put in a first round pick to give up use of Nurk. It's just to get off in the money. Or there's a scenario when you like you take back some bad money, but the way contracts work in the league now, you're not going to really find anyone with longer years than the three that Nurk has remaining after his season. The longest contracts you can sign are four years, or if you're only signing five if you sign a max contract. You're not trading Nurk for a max contract guy, probably, unless you need to make the money work somewhere down the line for a really big trade, and that's a whole other conversation. So you're trading him for like a, a like-skilled center who's taken on that NERC money even after this year, three years, $54 million left on his contract. I don't think that's very appealing. Um, I think you're just kind of stuck with him because of the contract you gave him. He, You got to figure out how to make it work with him. Um, he's not terrible he's like an average league average center and there are nights when him being gigantic and forceful is are really valuable if there are more nights when they can get the high level force out of nurk there are more good nights it's just a problem with him has always and continues to be consistency when nurk's good he punishes teams when nurk's bad he's a punishment for the blazers all right so let's come back in the third segment We've got a question about anthony simons and his contract compared to some of his peers around the league join me in that third segment won't you Still a pass for point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. This next question comes from Todd with 1D. Shout out to Todd with 1D. Oh, a correction real quick. Yesterday, I credited a question to the homie Jeff G. Wrong Jeff. This podcast is popular with Jeff. It was Jeff A who sent that in. So Jeff A, you maybe didn't hear that question because he didn't send me a note, but it was Jeff A, not Jeff G. Jeff G. Another Jeff, also popular. This question, though, comes from Todd with 1D, who asks a question about Ant's contract. I'm, again, paraphrasing this one here because it was kind of a longer email. 
I like the emails. I like a longer question. I like nuance and understanding and all those things. And if I don't answer your question, I often will respond. Uh, I've become pretty good at responding to emails. I'm not going to respond to tweets. They're too much. So if you want to get into, if you want to contact me, lockedonblazerspot at gmail.com. But the question from, uh, from Todd is basically like, is Anthony Simon's contract of value at this point, considering his production? Probably. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Yeah. It probably already is. Ant is one of the best shooters in the league. He is so darn good on offense that his defensive liability like doesn't really matter. It matters more on the Blazers next to Damian Lillard, like because your like your contract and your existence and your skill set doesn't exist in a vacuum. Um, it's you don't have like an overall two K rating. Your 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 coworkers matter. You're, like it, they really do. And like it, in context, what your value is 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 like a much better way to understand value than like. Let's compare him to uh, to some other players. But with that said, let's compare him to some other players, shall we? Uh, he wasn't the only person to get paid like a, a four-year contract that, that starts in the $100 million range. Jordan Poole got four for 123. Tyler Hero in Miami got four for 120. Jalen Brunson in New York got four for 104. Every time has been better than all those dudes. Jordan Poole, forgot, Jordan Poole forgot how to shoot. I don't know what happened, but he forgot how to shoot. Um, if he learns how to shoot again, He'll be a much better basketball player, but he his value is on offense, and he shot bricks to start the season. So I, no debating with Jordan Poole. Ant's been better, and he's cheaper. Get out of here. Tyler Hero is, um, you know, he has missed some time, and I don't think he's an ideal fit with what they kind of want to do with the rest of the roster. Um, he's, you know, he's a, he's a better rebounder than Ant, and he's. Uh, they're comparable on sort of some playmaking stuff, but even then, I don't think Tyler Hero was way better as a playmaker than Anthony Simons when I watch him play. Ant's just been better than him. He's just been better. Uh, they're closer than certainly than Poole. Uh, Hero is Hero's production is similar to Ant, but give me Ant. He's been better. Like he's just been so good on offense. He's been su- such a special shooting season. Shooting off the catch, shooting off the dribble, shooting off movement. Like he he is Ant is like Ant is making a case for being one of the just straight up best overall holistic shooters in the league. In the league. Last guy's Jalen Brunson. Um, I'm a big Brunson guy. I love his game. Lefty who shoots a bunch of pivoting little middies. Like, I, I love Brunson's game. He is a better playmaker than Amphrey Simons. He's a better defender than Amphrey Simons. He's not been a better offensive player. Uh, again, like, the shooting is just what offsets Ant. And he's Ant has added with that shooting the ability to get into the paint, the ability um, much better than he ever has in the past. He's, he's really made a concerted effort to be better and stronger getting to the rim. There are nights when physicality can take Ant out of the game, but more and more often... Ant is using that functional athleticism to get to his right hand, hit floaters, finish all the way at the cup. And if you give him space because you're worried about that, he is just such a good shooter off the dribble. If you play even a so- even mildly soft drop coverage, like if you aren't all the way at the level and probably above it, like heels on the three-point line, he's coming off a screen and firing and he's shooting the he's shooting the cover off that thing. Like he is, he's been awesome on offense. So Yes, I think Anthony Simons, when you look at his peers who signed similar contracts this summer, he's been better than them at less money. Dude is valuable. I mean, in some ways, like the market determines your value. 
the market was about like four for a hundred and up for these kind of like scoring combo guard types. Brunson is a point guard, but scoring combo guard types and hero and, and pool, they got more money because to that point, they had been more productive in the league, like just overall body of work. Uh, Jordan Poole really freaking good in the playoffs in a way that, um, and Tyler Hero had been really freaking good during those bubble run. Like they've, you know, they played high leverage games at really high level. That's just like production that ain't, has not matched yet. Um, you know, it made more sense that they were going to get more money, right? Like he Ant wasn't going to be able to to negotiate against them. Um, and also timing wise, sign his contract first. But uh, it's Ant's been better than them, and his contract has some like he's he seems at twenty five million dollars a year average annual value. Amphrey Simon seems like a deal in the league. The bigger question is his long-term fit next to Dame and how good you can be with that duo. I think they can be really good if they get rolling on offense and then you figure out the defense because the roster has better defenders behind them. Simons has been excellent this year. Um, it's it's like, it, I, I don't love the sort of pocket-peeping nature of talking about someone's value on the court in relation to their money, but... I think there was some sticker shock when he signed this contract this summer because I thought it was going to be like four for 80, right? Four for 80, four for 90, I think were the numbers I threw out here just guessing on the podcast. Guessing based on, you know, like a little bit of intel, but not like, I'm not, I wasn't sitting there talking with, um, talking with Joe Cronin or whatever about it. Like I'm just, I'm talking to people around the league. Hey, what do you think? Um, they were projecting in that four for 80, four for 90 range. He made four for a hundred. And I think initially I was like, oh, that's a bunch of money, but he could outplay that contract moving forward and down the line and all these things. And I think there was, you know, fans were like, like four for under, that's a bunch for ants. And even so there were some times this year when he's been, he's had some tough nights, some tough fourth quarters, and people are like, oh, the money, blah, 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 blah. I don't love that. But he's been worth the money. He's been worth the money. And if you look at his peers who are getting paid the same way, he's been better than them. He's been awesome on offense this year. Awesome. He's an awesome basketball player. Um, you know, take that to the bank. <laughs> take that to your direct deposit every two weeks, like an NBA paycheck. That is going to do it for today's show. Uh, tomorrow evening, the Blazers play the Denver Nuggets at home at the Moda Center. I will recap the game after that happens. Should be a lot of fun. We'll see uh, if Keon Johnson's back in the rotation. Uh, hopefully, GP will um, will get some updates on his maybe future availability. If not, Monday show, we'll talk Gary Payton and what he either is about to do or has done. That's what we do here. It's a daily podcast, five days a week, every single weekday. So make it your first listen every day and come back for tomorrow's show and tell your friends about it. The way that people hear about podcasts is that their homies tell them. So if you have a friend who's a Trailblazers fan, tell them to check out Locked on Blazers. They can find it wherever they get podcasts and also on YouTube. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.